With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Friday, December 3rd. Mark, um, this is just a mini rant about how bad certain PR people are. We get a lot of pitches from people, which is fine with me. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. I thought you would find this one amusing. This is someone who sent this to my CBS email address. This person's name starts with a K. I'm not even going to say this, the person's name, because it's hysterical. Hello, Jill. I listened to your episode on coaching for leaders mm-hmm. and really like the sound of what you're doing. Has it led to much traction and specifically media coverage for you? I'd like to discuss how I can work with you to secure some national and global press coverage for your work. I don't charge up front. Don't worry. My team is specialized in working with founders, high growth businesses who have thought leadership to share with the press. And I'd be happy to talk you through some examples of what we've done for similar businesses to yours. See, seeing my colleague, hmm. Uh, If you'd like to talk, let me know. I don't even know what to say, how stupid this is. She's not even sending it through our website, right? She's not going to Jill on Money and clicking on it. She sent it to my CBS News email. Did it not actually strike her as something odd that she's sending this pitch to get me more national and press attention? I don't understand these people. They are so lazy. Come on, PR people. Do a better job. All right, I'm done with my rant. Okay, Kathy is writing in about annuities. And she says, I have a secure pension that has the option to either take a lump sum or to get an annuity payment for life. The issue is, if I start taking the payments and I die, my children get nothing. Parenthetically, gang, this is something that I was really not keyed into until recently when I asked friend of the pod, Michael Goodman, a question about a friend of mine who had a similar option. And he pointed this out to me as like, this is one of the big flaws on annuity contracts and annuitization in general. Um, Okay. So Kathy says, I'm 65. I'm still working. I also have a 401k. It has a million dollars and an investment account uh, with another million dollars. I've been working with a financial person. I just bought an annuity with a 401k that has an income rider that will be more money than my pension and a death benefit and a rider that will give me some participation in the stock market to hedge for inflation. So to me, it's a win-win and a secure form of income for the rest of my life. I also bought a life insurance policy that will produce $20,000 of tax-free income. Okay. So here's the question. When I get the pension, should I buy a more risky annuity? No, no, just roll over the pension in a lump sum. 
That's it. I mean, why? I don't know why you would go crazy with this. You're fine. Okay. Krishna writes, based on our current living style, we've saved 12 months of emergency funds. We're wondering if it's safe to invest all of our savings going forward into a brokerage account, or should we have two different brokerage firms? Nah, you don't need that. They recently opened an advisor managed account at Vanguard. That's good. If the brokerage firm goes bankrupt, what happens to our invested money? What are the security measures out there in the investing world? We're contributing to 529 plans for both of our kids and my wife and I both max out our 401ks. Okay. So um, I think that this is a very remote possibility, which is, you know, generally speaking, um, when you say, oh my gosh, what happens if this firm goes broke? Okay. I get that. What happens is that you have protection through Security Investor Protection Corporation, which is insurance that will allow you to actually have some protection against the failure of a brokerage firm. Now, if you go to Vanguard or any other firm, they will tell you we are members SIPC of the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. And what you really need to know is that if this place that you're doing business, whether it's Vanguard or somewhere else, goes broke, that you will have protection up to uh, half a million dollars. Is that right, Mark? It's a half a million now? So it's a half a million dollars per account. Now, I would say that the most important thing to tell you is that, especially in a place like Vanguard, who's not really trading for itself. And I think the idea of failure of that kind of firm is quite remote. So I would not worry about this. I think it's fine that you're doing it. And let's not worry about the things like that's not a risk that I'm too concerned about, but that's what you're protected. 500 grand. Okay. Dave is a retired school teacher and he says he's decided to downsize. Okay. He said that could mean over $1.2 million in cash. And then he writes, what the heck? <laughs> our home, five to $600,000 in equity is ready to sell. And our beach house, which is valued at six to 700,000. Um, our total mortgage is 440, over $100,000 in the retirement account, three sons, all college paid and grand and graduation celebrated. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Mark, they're going to have $1.2 million in cash and they only have a hundred grand in retirement. You know, remember retired school teacher means that he's got a pension. I think this could be a very good opportunity for Dave to maybe seek the counsel of a financial planner. What do you think? Yeah. It doesn't sound like you're the kind of person who wants to do it on your own. So there's a few different things that you can think about. There are certainly plenty of advisors out there who would love to chat with you about your million bucks. Um, you can find one at the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors or NAPFA, napfa.org. You can go to the CFP website, letsmakeaplan.org. You can check out the robo-advisors like Betterment or Vanguard Personal Service Advisor or Schwab Intelligent Portfolio, Fidelity has one. And you can also uh, potentially chat with the sponsor of our sister broadcast, our radio show, Facet Wealth. That's facetwealth.com. But I think the most important thing for you is that you must work with someone who is a fiduciary who will work and uh, make sure that your best interests come first. That's really the most important thing. 
This next note is from Robin, who says, I work at a very small company where I enjoy the work and my lifestyle, but the pay and benefits are deficient. Uh Uh-oh. Essentially, the owner doesn't implement any benefits unless I propose them, and I do all the legwork to do this. Naturally, I was on the team a few years before I started piping up and changing things. Unfortunately, I don't have the training or experience in owning a business myself, so I'm just trying to piece it together to help retain other employees and ideally earn closer to what I'm worth while I'm at it. I do the bookkeeping. I wear several other hats, so when money is tight, I'm the first to know, and I simply don't ask for a raise. Money is not too tight these days. Next time I sit down to negotiate for myself, what should I ask for? A higher hourly pay rate, health insurance, paid time off, or something else. If the company were to spend, for example, $5,000 more on me per year, where would I spend it that would benefit me the most? Thank you so much. I enjoy your show. I wish my boss listened to it. Uh, Okay, Robin, this sounds like you're probably wildly underpaid. In general, I think it's nice that you enjoy the work and your lifestyle, so that's good. I mean, it's a question of whether you're renegotiating for you or for the employees. Obviously, if you don't have health insurance and they don't have health insurance, that's a very, that's a big lift if they're not paying for health insurance. But I think that that's a benefit that everyone should have. If you really, I mean, maybe you get health insurance through some other way. I don't know how you get it. Uh, Mark, what would be better? Higher hourly health insurance, paid time off. What do you think? Yeah, I would say that also. I would say health insurance first. And I I would say that would be kind of great for you, especially if you're paying for it out of pocket and also great for everyone on the staff. But what's up with your boss? Like, I'm not digging this. There's a lot of jobs out there. I really encourage you to look around. I really do. Have this on in the background. See if your boss is there. Just play it up really loud. (laughs) Okay. Anonymous Anonymous writes, Hi, Jill and Mark. I love the podcast. I keep going back and forth on whether I should contribute to a Roth or a traditional. I'm enticed by tax-free distributions of the Roth. I hate losing out on the tax deduction considering we're in such a high tax bracket. I don't currently have any Roth retirement savings. My company had a simple IRA for the last several years. They're now switching to a 401k with a Roth option. Okay. I plan on contributing the maximum next year. That's $20,500. See, got that. And uh, this person's over 50. So $6,500 catch-up contribution. Company's going to match 6%. Okay, here we go. 50 years old, married, husband's 59. $450,000 combined income, 210 on Anonymous's W-2, 32% tax bracket. Husband works for local government, has a pension. He will likely retire at age 65 in six years. I'm going to continue working until I'm 65. Kids are grown on their own. I got to the game late. I didn't start saving for retirement until I was 40. It took me a few years before I was able to max out. Okay, that's good. So here's the money. They've got uh, $135,000 in a simple IRA, $46,000 in a traditional IRA, of which 16 is non-deductible, a brokerage account, $110,000, and an emergency fund of $50,000. Okay, they're debt-free except the mortgage. Lastly, I was thinking since my husband does not have any IRA accounts that we could do a backdoor Roth for him. The backdoor Roth doesn't make sense for me because of the pro rata rules, but should I continue the non-deductible traditional IRA contributions 
or should I not bother with it at this point? I'd say don't bother with it at this point because I'll tell you where we're going to go with this. I'm going to continue putting money into the brokerage account, 25 to 30 grand a year. Roth versus traditional have any impact on planning for Medicare? Yes, it does. Because in a traditional, all the money that goes in that traditional means you're going to be forced to take it out at age 72. And those required minimum distributions can screw up your Medicare. Okay. So that's number one, especially because your husband is going to get a pension. Oh, by the way, P.S., my husband and I just got married two years ago. Huh. and had not gotten around to the estate planning stuff, but thanks to your constant nagging, all the callers on the show, I say this lovingly and thankfully, we've retained an attorney and should hopefully have our documents done in a couple more weeks. Please keep nagging us. It's so important. How about that, Mark? I am a nag. I am such a nag. I would like to call it a gentle nudge, not a nag. Okay. This is very easy, Anonymous. Bite the bullet and do the Roth. Stop doing the non-deductible IRA and do the Roth. It is so important for you guys to have some money that is in the Roth. Instead of doing this whole rigmarole on the non-deductible or, or even converting or even a backdoor, which probably is going to be you know out of commission if we ever get billed back better. But you, know, you can see that's in the sight lines of legislators. Just do a Roth. Mark, please give me a, a hallelujah Roth amen kind of moment here. I would do that also. I'd say 27, put your max out your $27,000 into a four, a Roth 401k and any extra money just goes into the brokerage account. That's it. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Mark said when he loses um, the ability to do a backdoor, he's just going to put the money in the brokerage. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build up my, my non-retirement account or my supplemental retirement account. Anyway. That's where we are. Okay. Uh, so this is Friday and that means that we do some of our thank yous and gratitude moments. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman, whose brother, Michael, will be joining us on the program. And now I've just realized, Mark and I at the same time realized that Michael is, and we've already recorded our interview with Michael, and we're talking about year-end planning, but his microphone was terrible. Joel is a composer who has great microphones and knows how to make music sound really good. He certainly could help poor little Michael with his endeavor to sound like a human being on the air. So um, this is a little nod to Joel. I think I'll have to talk to Joel and tell him this. And Michael, the Goodman boys, the Goody Goodmans, that they should talk a little bit about professional enhancement of Michael's um, equipment. How about that? Mark Talercio is the executive producer of this program. We are distributed by the fine folks at Cadence 13. Please put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, brace. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.